Welcome to the One Body, One Life podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Dr. Jason Wan, lifestyle physical therapist. I talk about everything health and wellness related so you too can have a more resilient body and a more fulfilling life. And I'm excited to say we've grown this podcast to over 2,000 views. And for those of you who are regular, thanks for supporting me. I truly appreciate it. And definitely subscribe and follow. But if you could also help me greatly to share some of your favorite episodes on either Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok and tag Flex with Dr. J. That's F-L-E-X-W-I-T-H, the full word doctor, T-O-C-T-O-R-J-A-Y, you would be a pivotal part in growing this channel and inspiring more people to make changes. And today I wanted to share eight reasons why back pain always comes back. It's like Arnold Schwarzenegger in Terminator, right? It always comes back. And why is that? Why are you not getting the long-term relief that you need? Don't feel alone in this because over 90% of people in the world experience some form of back pain sometime in their life. Yes, that is a few billion people will experience back pain. So what are you doing in order to get rid of this pain long-term? And are you doing the right things to ensure this pain doesn't return? So let's dive into those eight reasons. Starting with number one, you're strictly trying to stretch the pain away versus strengthening it. Because I have said this before thousands of times that oftentimes stretching and even in research, stretching has actually not been shown to provide any long-term benefits. It may feel good in the process. Yes, it may improve your range of motion, but range of motion and flexibility is not really associated with either injury prevention or long-term pain relief. When you start to strengthen it, what you're providing is a stimulus. You're actually telling the brain to shock the nerves associated with that muscle, and you're encouraging that muscle to either get stronger, to support the joints further. But when you're strictly just stretching things, a lot of times you're just stretching the tissues and it's not actually giving any form of stability or any comfort to your body. So this is just the fact that in our experience, when we go back to our childhood days and we would be doing these 30 to 60 second stretches all the time, it's that it's baked into us. Whenever there's pain, or let's say whenever there's tightness is often associated with the response, I need to stretch. But the reality is you can strengthen your body and yield the same benefits. In fact, if you provide either some form of isometric load, so that's basically when you're forcing a muscle to contract, but there's actually not a lot of movement. Even if you hold that for 20 to 60 seconds, research shows that act, that actually can actually reduce pain as effective as like an analgesic or ibuprofen. And if you, let's say, progress to strengthening and you're strengthening the muscle throughout the entire range of motion, that can actually yield much more long-term benefit in terms of pain relief, but also get you more flexible. So for example, I know that some of you guys are sitting here right now, you probably deal with either like tight hips or let's say tight hamstrings, and you're always trying to reach for your toes all the time, but you never get there. So what I actually tell my clients is why don't you try, let's say a form of a deadlift. A deadlift helps to strengthen the glutes, the lower back, your lats, but also it puts a lot of load and strain on your hamstrings. So when you're letting the dumbbell take your hamstring through full range of motion, not only are you getting your hamstring and your lower back stronger, but also you are lengthening that hamstring and getting some flexibility in the process. So instead of thinking about stretching, try thinking about loading the tissues and maybe you'll start to notice a difference. Number two is 
thinking the back pain is coming strictly from a damaged area. And this goes more into the psychosocial aspects of pain. This is something that I've talked about many times before with either on my previous podcast episodes or even with other practitioners, other chronic pain specialists out there. Every injury or every pain comes with some form of psychosocial component. Back in the day, when doctors would either diagnose a certain pain area, or let's say you go to your doctor, they approached it with something called a biomedical model. And the biomedical model essentially stated that every disease is associated with some form of damaged area or some sort of actually diseased area. So if you had low back pain, for example, they would often always just strictly blame a weak muscle a ligament, or let's say a herniated disc. Now, while all of these things come into play, like you can't ignore, for example, a strained muscle, or let's say you start, or let's say on MRI, you notice a herniated disc, while those things are actually there, and it's proven by the imaging, is that it comes with a psychosocial component. So if you're only thinking about trying to fix the damaged area, or how do I fix my herniated disc, or how do I fix my pelvic tilt? For example, you're leaving probably about two thirds of that puzzle and you're never going to solve that puzzle. That puzzle comes from the psychosocial component. So any pain that you feel is associated with sometimes fear. It's associated with missed time off work. Sometimes it's associated with, oh my gosh, I might have to skip work and then I can't provide to my family. So there's all these other stressors, either life stressors, or social stressors, or even personal things, or even emotionals, emotional grievance that is associated with having low back pain. So when you can open your scope and open your, your viewpoint and your perspective around low back pain, the fact is low back pain, you can't fix just the pelvic silt. You can't fix the herniated disc. And if you somehow form the disc and make it all better and return the disc to hundred percent strength, that all your pain is going to go away. There are a lot of people that have MRIs. They have perfect looking MRIs, but they have tremendous back pain. So if they have a perfect MRI and they have perfect disc, perfect ligaments, perfect everything, but they still have low back pain. How do you explain that? So opening your horizons again to the psychosocial components. And if you want to look more about this and I can do another podcast episode, look into more of the biopsychosocial approach. This is not just looking at the strength and mobility components in physical therapy and also looking at, let's say, correcting a dysfunction or healing a damaged area. But again, also looking at the psychology, the emotions, the stressors, all of that, and the, even the environment around you, all of that comes into play. All right, let's go into number three. Number three is not getting enough sleep. So research has shown that getting at least seven to nine hours is quite optimal and getting just one hour less of sleep leads to a 12 to 13% decrement in your performance. So if you are getting, let's say six hours when you are needing seven hours of sleep, then one, you're not focusing as well. So again, that 12 to 13% is not just a physical performance aspect, but also a cognitive aspect. So you can't think as clearly, you can't multitask as well. You can't jump from, let's say, one to do to the other as quickly. You have more brain fog. Again, you also may even have more back pain for that matter, because you can't tolerate sitting at a desk for a longer period of time. So people fail to realize that sitting requires some form of endurance. So when you do have pain in your lower back or your hips, 
that could be an endurance issue that also just in general could be like a tightness or mobility issue, but getting enough sleep allows you to recover. And also if you are, let's say getting into the strengthening aspects, like I said, in tip number one, then you are going to need to optimize your sleep further, uh, in order to recover from those workouts. So you break down tissues while you're in the gym or while you're doing weights and you actually recover and regenerate, rebuild those tissues in the kitchen while eating, like eating certain components like protein and carbohydrates, but also you're making that up in your sleep. Okay. So sleep will help you in, in all aspects of life, right? Sleep. There's a lot of people that say that sleep deprivation actually leads to deoxygenation of the tissues that surround your spine and your lower back. Okay. So let's go dive into number four, which is simply enough. You're sitting more than you're moving. So I know that people feel that sitting is not the best for them, but let's actually put this into a mathematical thing. If you're thinking about the amount of time that let's say you're walking and let's just jumble up all the walking that you do in a day, it's maybe one to two hours. Maybe it's less than that, right? Cause let's say when you get home and you're tired, then oftentimes you just sit on a couch, right? And watch Netflix. But if you're looking at also how much you're sitting through the day, so Let's say you're sitting for at least six to eight hours at work, then you go home, then that's another, let's say 30 to 60 minutes of sitting at your dinner table. Then you're doing another form of sitting by like sitting at the TV. That's a hell of a lot of sitting, right? And sitting is oftentimes loaded, associated with stagnancy. It's associated with less blood flow going into the hips and the lower back and your lower back and the surrounding areas, it appreciates movement. But just think about, Let's say the amount that you're moving, or let's say you're like, Jay, that's not me. Like I, I start off my day with a morning routine. Like my, my, I do a 10 to 15 morning routine religiously. Again, look at the math. You're doing 10 to 15 minutes just in the morning, but you're sitting for six to eight hours. So what is going to outwin the other? Clearly it's the sitting. And if your pain, let's say low back pain or hips get tight with sitting, then you need to supply enough movement to alleviate some of the sitting related back pain that you feel. Okay. So that's why I always preach to my clients, especially in the pain-free Academy is that movement can't just be forced. You can't just force yourself to say, I'm going to move every hour. Yeah, you can do that. You can set an alarm and it might be annoying to just set an alarm, go every hour, move, but if you make movement and mobility a habit, a part of your life, then it's going to become a lot more effortless to combat a lot of that sitting that you do. And another way to do this is simply enough, just get a standing desk frame. That way you can interchange between sitting and standing. Usually I stand for at least four to six hours out of the day. And then for these podcast that I'm recording, I usually like to be nice and comfortable and sit on a chair, but you get my drift. So sitting more than moving, that is a huge component. And just think about the math. So if you think, oh, I do 20 minute workout here and there, I get in a little bit of run. I do a morning routine. Again, think about what still wins, right? Sitting the hours of sitting versus the few minutes or even an hour of moving. I think that moving is still not going to win. Okay, let's go into number five, which is not addressing areas above and below. This is something that I tell my clients all the time, which is called regional interdependence. What that means is if you have, let's say, low back pain, then you can't just do low back exercises. You also can't just do core exercises. While they can help, and those are still exercises that I would promote to my clients and give to them in their program, 
you still have to address areas above, below, or even adjacent. So that means that you must address, let's say, the obliques or the muscles that attach to your ribs. We know that, and if you didn't know this, your diaphragm actually attaches almost up right above your lower back. It's like the rooftop of your lower back that attaches to your ribs and your lower thoracic spine. In tune with that is that, let's say your upper back is stiff, that can actually create some form of nerve tension across the entire spine and lead to low back pain. So you need to address mobility or strength of your thoracic spine and the surrounding musculature. And look at the area below. Your lower back also has your pelvis, your ilium, basically your entire pelvis and the muscles that attach to there, which is also your glutes, your hip flexors. You have plenty of muscles. You have this, these muscles called your deep rotators that essentially are like the rotator cuff of your hip, that those muscles need to be addressed as well. So whether it's, there's a mobility deficit, a strength or endurance aspect that you need to work on, you can't just address again, the lower back. Those can be helpful to directly load or let's say mobilize the lower back, but you can't discount the fact that the diaphragm, the thoracic spine, the hips, the pelvis, all the surrounding bones, joints, and musculature, they all talk to each other. We are one big kinetic chain. We can't just be looked at as robots and we can just replace our lower back with another lower back. So we have to look at our body as one large chain. And another way to think of this is funny way, which I, I think this hopefully should stick with you is think of you always wearing like one big one, like onesies. I don't wear onesies anymore. My, my son right now, we dress him up. You know, we put him in a onesie because it's cold in San Francisco. So the onesie is essentially you put your feet in, you put also your arms in and you essentially zip it up. So a lot of times if he raises his arms like this, a lot of times raising his arms, he'll, you'll feel some of that tightness pull along the abdomen. You'll also see that some of the pant legs starts to ride up because let's say he's getting bigger, right? At any time he like, let's say kicks his leg up in the air, that's going to tighten up everything at the lower back region and also like where the neck is. So looking at your body, almost like a onesie is that we have over, I believe 40 plus miles of different nerve endings across the entire body. That's the nerve endings in our brain and it's the nerve endings that go all the way into our fingertips, down our spine and into our feet. So all the nerves are interconnected. All of them talk to each other peripherally via the peripheral and the central nervous system. So looking at that aspect is if you just do low back exercises, but you don't address, let's say nerve tension or other related structures above, below and adjacent to your lower back, you're doing a huge service to yourself. And that's what that's why maybe you're doing your lower back exercises, but you're not really getting the long-term benefits that you want. Okay, let's go into number six. Number six is relying on a practitioner for relief. This one is a huge one because I believe that there are a great number of practitioners out there that I think ethically feel that they're doing the right thing. But what I always tell my clients, especially if they want to work with me, is I empower them to get rid of the pain themselves. And my goal, like my business model is to see them as little as possible. If let's say Sarah down the street is working with me, I hopefully after our program ends that I never see Sarah again. If that is, if that is the type of practitioner that you're looking for, that's the type that that essentially will help you to gain the long-term benefits. But there are still a lot of practitioners that I think they feel that they're doing what's right in their favor. They're telling the client, hey, see me every single week or let's see you a little bit for maintenance. I don't think that honestly, that is sometimes the right path because you're allowing 
that person to either not develop the right habits or lifestyle changes to fix their own issues. You're not teaching them prevention. So if a practitioner is telling you, hey, I think that I can help you within four weeks and then we can be on a maintenance program of every single month and there's really no end to that. That's again, creating more of a reliance on the practitioner and what their hands or what their tools are doing versus teaching you what you can do so that you don't have to go back to that person. Okay, so reliance on a practitioner, you may not be, let's say you're, you are seeing somebody that's giving you manual treatment. You're not really learning much. Okay, let's say you're let's let's say that's you right now. You may not be relying on them, but long term, let's say if you realize that like month to month is that your pain just comes back and then you're just going back to the same practitioner and you get some temporary spritz of relief, then you have to address that bias. You have to address like where your brain has become accustomed to. The fact is your brain has become accustomed to getting a needle in your back or getting some cupping or getting a massage once in a while. I myself, I'll admit, like I still get massages once in a while, especially because I put my body through the ringer. I work out six days a week. So there are certain, let's say, ailments that I want to accelerate faster. So by no means do I need it, but I do use it for, let's say, stress relief benefits or for me to recover faster from my workouts. If you're using it just for, oh man, my neck is killing me. I need to get it adjusted again. I need to get a massage again then that's where your brain is fixated to a certain treatment and you want to find a program or a coach or practitioner that's going to empower you to do it by yourself. Okay, to say to you that you don't need me the rest of your life, I will provide you those tools, but I do not want you to use me forever on end. Okay, so number seven, this is a huge one, which is relying on medication for relief. Okay, so medication often has some long-term repercussions, not just in terms of constipation, right? Not in terms of just dampering the nervous system. It also can lead to muscle weakness over time. Relying on medication, it's a trillion dollar industry for a reason. There's a reason why, you know, like my type of practice is not like highly advertised out there is because with the medication industry, it's much easier for you to take a pill than it is for you to do a 30 minute work. And just think of that, like let that sink in for a moment. It is much easier, more comfortable, more convenient. All you do is a credit card swipe, you take the pills home. And again, I don't want this to rub anybody the wrong way, but when you look at the convenience, the comfort, okay, the ease, how quick it is, how quick acting it is, is that we can get fixated to medication very quickly even though statistics show that 75% of individuals actually say they don't like taking pain medication and they don't like relying on it. So that's three quarters of people with low back pain or some form of chronic pain that say to themselves or say to me that I don't like to take medication. I'm not a medication type person. Yet they are coming to me with a medication list that they can't, that that they have not stopped. They continue to go to Walgreens or CVS for the same exact medication. Start to replace that with exercise, with stress management techniques, with calming the nervous system down, with being mindful of your stress and emotion, with optimizing your diet, or again, getting that one to two hours extra sleep instead of watching Breaking Bad for one to two hours. You can put that aside 
and leave that for the weekend or leave it for the times that like, Hey, I'm going to do this with like my spouse and that's it. But you're not going to watch like a TV series, right? So getting that extra one to two hours of sleep, optimizing those lifestyle changes is going to allow you to wean off the medication and allow you to do this more holistically. Okay. Lastly, number eight, and number eight's a huge one, which is not willing to address lifestyle changes and always looking for the fastest way to get relief. And this goes into maybe number six and number seven, which is relying on a practitioner, relying on a on an adjustment or relying on medication. Okay, everything serves a purpose, right? If I have an ankle sprain, I likely will get some form of medication, like get, get ibuprofen temporarily to reduce that inflammation. Or let's say it's, let's say I, I got a recent surgery right? There is a role in massage or some sort of soft tissue mobilization in order to prevent scar tissue formation. So there is benefits to number six and seven, which is going to a practitioner or using medication. But I think that it's obviously much harder. It's more challenging to address the lifestyle changes and saying to yourself that probably the fastest, but also the most long-term benefit is likely working hard to address the many aspects of health that we just covered right now. And so the long-term relief will often not be the fastest route. But if the slow route allows you to build consistent habits, consistent changes in your life, and it allows you to have the freedom to just simply rely on yourself to get stronger, get more mobile, to optimize the different aspects of stress, nutrition, sleep, and many things that pride myself in giving my clients those type of tools, then that's really up to you. It's your choice. Your choice can be, I'm always looking for the quickest, fastest relief and then potentially get fixated to it. Or you can say to yourself, I am going to buckle down, level up my ambition, level up the time needed and the effort needed in order to get rid of this pain long-term. And that's really up to you. And I've said that before many times again, it's like there's a dichotomy, right? It's a choice. It's a pathway that you want to take, okay? Lifestyle builders versus quick fix people. Who do you want to be? All right, so that's what I got for you guys today. If you enjoyed this episode, definitely hit that subscribe or follow button. I release new episodes every morning on Wednesdays. And I'd love if you can leave a five-star rating in your podcast app. It's usually Spotify or Apple, iTunes. So my content will reach more people who could benefit from the tips that I put out. And if there's any feedback about the content I'm putting out, good or bad, or if there's specific things you might want me to cover in future episodes, send me an email to jason at flexwithdrj.com. Also tag me on your favorite social media apps. That way, again, you can share some of these favorite episodes. I reply to all my message personally. Also, again, if you are interested in getting coaches, making those lifestyle changes, getting rid of pain long-term, we're taking on new clients around the world all you need to do is click into the description section and you can simply apply for the Pain-Free Academy and we'll look at your application. Or you can simply go to go.flexodrj.com slash apply dash extended. And I'll leave that in the description notes as well. That way you can send in an application. You might as well send in that application if you're at all remotely interested. That way, if you have any questions after, you can email me, get on a conversation with me, and then we can find the right plan for you. And I'll leave you always with these last words of advice. We only have one body, one life. Make every action you take be one that makes you a better version of you. Take care.